Welcome to Do I Need Therapy? Get ready to receive valuable mental health tips and enjoy open conversations about life and love and when you need to ask for help. Let's reduce the stigma. I'm your host, Dr. April Landell, your go-to therapist for today's modern day. My guest experts and I are here to inspire you along your mental health journey and remind you, you are not alone. Hey family, this is Dr. April Landell, your go-to therapist for figuring out life and all the craze in today's modern day. So I'm here with you to navigate your own journey with, hey, do I need therapy? And I wanted to do a specific episode just talking about the reasons why people (laughs) choose not to go to therapy, refuse to go to therapy, refuse to even consider going to therapy. I thought it would be a good thing just to talk about it. What do you say, huh? All right, family. So this was officially inspired by a great article that I read on Psychology Today. Big ups to them. It was an article by Dr. Sorrell, and it is called 10 Reasons Why People Refuse to Talk to Therapists. And I was just really, really very much in complete agreement to these things because this is what I've experienced with my own clients for how I've been working in therapy for eight years, over eight years now, over 10,000 hours with individuals, families, and couples. These are the things, they're dead on. So I wanted to just kind of go through them with you and then tell you a little bit about why they're so important to consider the perspective on the other side. I'm going to give you my own input as a therapist, and then, you know, you eventually decide. So first of all, if you're considering the question already, do I need therapy? I think I need a therapist. Is this possible that I need to talk to someone now? The thing is, is that if you're asking me that question, automatically, usually the answer is a yes, you likely do need therapy. So According to this article, these are 10 of the most common, he calls it, anti-therapy attitudes heard over the years and why people do not go. So first on the list is, I'd rather talk to my friends. <laughs> Definitely can understand that. So he's talking about this aspect of that a lot of people state that they'd rather talk to their friends for that kind of emotional support. Completely understandable. Absolutely. If you have friends who listen to you unequivocally and really provide insight and help, then more power to you. I think that's wonderful. And you always want to foster those relationships. The people who care for you and listen to you, those are very special relationships. Those are connected, kindred relationships. So if you have that, that is wonderful. So family, if, if, if you have that friend, that partner, that person in your life that can really listen to you, that is fantastic. But will it replace therapy? So the thing is is that sometimes, yes, it absolutely can. And if you do have that resource in your back pocket (laughs) that you could just call someone and gab it out and get the feedback that you need to make change, that's great. But a lot of times people don't have that. And the reason is because when you're inside of regular world, regular life and regular connection, people are biased to you. And then they also have their own biases of things that did not work for them or ways that they operate. They may not be able to listen to you with objectivity, right? They're going to have an opinion. They're going to have a reaction. They're going to respond in a way that is not helpful. It can be challenging. But one of the biggest things in talking to friends or family is that a lot of times you share something and then they pop in with their own. Um, story or experience. And then instead of getting really one-on-one centered, direct support, 
you're sharing that same light and it can get muddled and what you need to say or express can get lost. So when you're working with a therapist, they are very, very trained listeners who can help you find and will down all the way to the source of your problem. You know, where's the origin? What's the origin story of when this began? How are things connected to that source? And then how do you find a way to break free of it? How do you find that solution? So therapists and counselors are very, very trained on that specific narrative to get out the patterns, to give you clarity, to open up your eyes. And sometimes, actually most times, friends, family are less able to do that. Reason number two, it costs too much. The number two reason this doctor found Insurance doesn't always cover, you know, the full cost of psychotherapy uh, and counseling, and that is challenging. So it ends up being a further investment out of pocket, right? The thing is, is that your mental health is just as valuable as your physical health. Your mental health is just not, if not more on par with your physical appearance and, you know, buying the latest fashion and, you know, going to the hairdresser in the salon. Those things are excellent self-care efforts but your mental health deserves that same investment. So it is true, it is expensive and it can not seem practical because we could put priorities on other things. But when you invest in yourself, when you invest in therapy, it can change the trajectory of your mindset. It can truly allow you to move into being your next best version of yourself. You're living your best life because you're going through the process of really meeting your challenges, addressing it directly, and finding that change and working through that process until the change is accomplished. It can change the trajectory of your life. Number three reason, I don't have time. <laughs> I find this less, I find this one less in, my, in working with my clients. I don't really get, I don't have time, but this particular doctor did. So if you have the kind of problems where you feel like you don't have time, family, you know, it's definitely out there. Other people have said the same thing. Time is relative though. You make the time for what you feel is priority, okay? And time is extremely valuable, totally get it. You want to be able to give that time. And a lot of times you can support that through working with therapists who are local to your area. They could be local to your home or they could be local to your workplace. Either or works, because I know it's the same thing with the gym, right? Location, location, location is part of the reason of how you are successful with going to the gym on a regular basis. So look for those people that are close within your parameters for one. Also, there's this whole thing with online therapy. That's actually one of my specialties. Online therapy is the bomb. We are making it great and fantastic, just as effective as in-person therapy. And when you're trying to look for that process, you're remembering that inside of being a busy professional, you would be able to have the therapy wherever you are in that moment. You do not have to work through the, the fuss of getting ready, of going out through traffic, finding parking and getting upstairs and sitting down and chit-chatting. Whenever you're in online therapy, you get right to it. So that hour is truly utilized, really truly utilized wherever you are. Maybe you got stuck at the office. You can have an online therapy session right at your desk, okay? You just close the door, put a do not disturb sign on, and then you go. So online therapy is a definite other way that you can mitigate that. So is your mental health worth one hour a week? Okay, 
let me let me break out this calculator. <laughs> you know, we've got 24 hours in a day at seven days a week. That is 168 hours. Okay? 168 hours. And you only need to invest one hour of time into your mental health. So I can't always accept that you don't have time. And it's time that you accept that too. Reason number four. I saw someone once. It did not help. <laughs> I get that. Oh my goodness. That I get all the time. I worked with somebody before, a previous therapist, counselor, psychologist, and they did not help me at all. In fact, they made it worse, you know, and then I had to pay them money. I get that experience. So the thing that I would counter back to that is how much time did you go in? Was it one week? Was it a month? And inside of that, was there a good fit? This is so very important. There are tens of thousands of therapists all across the uh, United States and a lot of other countries all around the world. And inside of that provision, there are many different styles and personalities and approaches to therapy. And just like when you're working to look for your doctor, sometimes it is not going to be a good fit. You're wanting to think about the gender of the therapist, the approach, the expertise, even their age sometimes, definitely their culture, definitely sometimes even their spirituality, you know, what is their faith? There are all kinds of things that make a particular mental health professional unique. And then, you know, them family, it's your personality. What works best with you? Do you work best with somebody who's a little bit more humorous and more light in approach? Or do you need somebody who is super stone cold serious, you know, that really holds you to the ground? <laughs> <laughs> of really looking at something, really looking at that deep, dark place. Both therapists have the ability of bringing clarity to you, but which fit would be better? And then you're talking about in-person versus online. You're talking about phone versus working with video. You're talking about somebody who gives homework and worksheets to do versus somebody who doesn't give anything at all and allows you to just be free. Different fits work all the time. So if it didn't work this time, try, try again, right? You've got to go ahead and try again. So your unique personality would definitely be a part of, you know, this, this connection. And you should stay intuitively connected with your own voice. Does this feel like it's working? Does it not? Then I would say that you mention it to that person that you're with currently. Talk about it. I don't feel like this is working. This is not helpful to me. I actually don't like this, but yesterday, or excuse me, last week when we worked together, this one really worked. You can actually have those conversations openly. A therapist, a counselor, a psychologist would actually encourage you to have those conversations so that they can edit and adapt. And then after that point, if it still doesn't work, you have every right, every right to look for another therapist again. Okay? Reason number five, what good is talking going to do? Ooh, this is a good one. <laughs> this is such a good one. I actually usually get this a lot from men, family, my men out there. What good is talking going to do? It can do a great deal. Talking actually puts a lot of the problem just out in the open for it to be explored and challenged. And then even just witness, even when you tell somebody your story and explain what you're going through, even it being witnessed by somebody is so substantial getting it off your chest, right? Getting the chip off your shoulder, clearing your mind, 
finding some sense of inner peace through the difficulties, the challenges that you face. The talking can do so much. It is remarkable how much talking actually assists. And when you actually sit down to talk about things, you don't realize, but you actually end up planning for your success. What was that famous quote? When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that's part of the process of therapy. You talk about what is challenging you and then you develop a plan to find the solution, right? So that's when you begin to talk about the action behind the challenge. So what good is talking going to do? It's gonna do a lot of good because you're gonna talk about it, you're gonna have it witnessed, you're gonna have it reviewed and explored and challenged, and then you get to the action part. Then you get into the part where, okay, how do we find the solution to this? How do we move towards the change that I so desperately seek, that I so desperately want? How does it get done? And guess what? You have to talk through that too. <laughs> so talking can do a great good. Number six, I'd feel so weird talking to this kind of stuff to somebody I don't even know, to a complete stranger. Yes, I get that. <laughs> I get that a lot. And this one I get from my introverts. My introverts family, if you're out there and you're listening to this one, I, I totally get it. On one hand, it can feel incredibly uncomfortable to open up. And even in the fact that if you truly don't know how to do that, I have had clients come to me who actually said, I, I don't really know how to express myself. I don't know how to communicate, let alone communicate to a therapist. How does this work? And I just tell them, listen, we're going to do it one step at a time. First thing is just emotion recognition. What are you feeling? What are you going through? What are you experiencing right now? And that's just the beginning. But that is actually more of a process that you can work through because as you have additional uh, sessions, the more and more you get to know your mental health professional, your therapist, your counselor, your psychologist, your psychiatrist, they no longer become a stranger. And they're going to hold that safe space for you. They're going to hold that place where you will not be judged. You will not have a huge reaction or massive opinion that's going to weigh heavily on you. You're going to have that open space with that stranger. And then you're going to slowly over time realize that they're no longer a stranger. They're actually somebody who is very much invested in your positive growth in how you are changing to be your better self. And they're going to be someone who's going to work super hard to support you. I'm definitely one of those. When I first work with my clients, they're strangers to me too. But just when they come in, they tell me what they're challenged with. They tell me their goals, what they want for themselves. And then I'm a goner. <laughs> I immediately start to care for them a great deal. And what I'm immediately switched to is doing everything I can to support them to get to that point. And by the end of our time working together, we have a connection that is very, very strong in the sense that inside of your therapeutic growth, I've supported you through it. You've opened up to me and shared to me intimate parts of your life. And I'm just, I'm truly honored inside of that process. You do not become less than a stranger, you become more. And then next thing you know, you've got an ally right there with you. Okay, we've got four more, and I'm just gonna go through this super, super quick. Number seven, therapists don't say anything, they just sit there and judge you. <laughs> that is so funny. Actually, it's true, we, we do sit there, but we don't judge. We are actually trained out of judging. What we're doing is we're judging what you're saying. We're trying to judge 
does this have a part inside of your process of difficulty and challenge? Where does it belong? How does it fit in? And then how do we undo it? How do we figure out the solution? So when we're sitting there and not saying anything, we're thinking. We are thinking it through just like you. And we have to give that moment and time for that process. Furthermore, therapists are very much also trained in silence. I know that sounds weird, <laughs> but we are trained in silence. We work really hard to be able to allow for the silence because silence is where you can come back and review. You can think and reflect in retrospect. So we hold the space for silence for you. And sometimes it's going to reveal, you know, emotions. Sometimes it's going to reveal additional memories. Sometimes it's going to reveal additional connections. And it can be a very powerful place. And when we're working with clients who don't talk, we allow the silence for them to work through what they need to say to, to actually speak out. So yeah, it's true. Therapists sometimes don't say anything, but it's all specific for a reason. They just sit there and judge you. <laughs> we sit, but we don't judge. We don't judge you. We're judging the, the challenge all the way to the solution. Number eight, therapists don't really care about you. They do it for the money. Oh my goodness, that is not true. <laughs> that is absolutely 100% not true at all. I can personally attest, I care about every single one of my clients. I don't even mean to, but by the end of it, you know, there's, well, let me explain. There's this whole process of your professional ethics where you're not supposed to get overly involved with your clients. You're not supposed to give advice. You're not supposed to give hugs and offer, you know, a, you know, a gentle pat whenever something's wrong or, you know, somebody starts crying. Professional ethics a lot of times have very structured standards on how you do that. A lot of us therapists can't operate within it because it is a human connection. We end up caring easily. The money helps to sustain us. It helps to provide us a living. Yes, absolutely. And we do have to provide a living for ourselves. We have families and homes and cars and bills and all those things just as much as you do. So that is true. There is a level of that process, but I cannot think of one therapist that I know, and I know hundreds, <laughs> possibly thousands of therapists all across the land, all across the world. And I can't think of one who does not care about their clients. Number nine, if I was depressed and I wanted to feel better, I'd just take Prozac. Absolutely. Take a Prozac. That's great. But when you are taking that Prozac, how are you solving the problem? Okay? Just because you are feeling super, super good, you know, super chill, much better. My anxiety has gone. It doesn't mean that the origin of that anxiety or the origin of that depression is gone and you've learned how to cope with it. Okay, that's why you do therapy. And your best work of providing really good positive mental health is when you are using talk therapy in addition to medication if you need it. So it's a, it's a both and kind of process. So that eventually, when you do come off of medication, a lot of people don't like to stay on medication long-term, family, it's that, if that's you, working through therapy is gonna help you do that better because it's gonna address the problem of what brought you to needing medication in the first place, help you with coping skills, anxiety, depression management, emotional stability, so that in the end, you would be able to come off of that medication and know exactly how to handle it when the challenge pops up again. Last reason, reason number 10, I wouldn't want to air my dirty laundry out in public. <laughs> I've actually never heard that from a client, but hey, let's talk about it. So therapy and counseling is 
always confidential. Everything that you share with your therapist in session, over the phone, through email, all of that is protected by law. It is protected by the HIPAA law. It is the same law that doctors use to protect their own patients with all of their medical records. It's the very same law. It just essentially means that with your medical record and your mental health record follows along with your medical record. So with your medical and mental health records, none of it is allowed in public. And if any entity like a doctor, a professional, a clinic, a hospital, if anything ever gets passed and is stolen or released, it is complete violation of law and it will be fined to the maximum. Okay, so you are working with your therapist and this is their very, very first course of action whenever they take you on. Your information is private and confidential. The only time a therapist has to break their confidentiality is if you are intent to harm yourself or someone else. Then they have to break confidentiality. They have to get you help and support. They have to tell these people where to go, how to pick you up, contact your local resources, your family and friends, whoever you authorize to be there with you to make sure that you are safe, to make sure that anybody around you is safe. Other than that, everything stays confidential. So if you never get to that point, nothing is ever released. It's never shared, okay? That is a whole thing. So I hope that answers some of your questions. Dr. Soraya wrote an amazing article. Thanks so much on that. And these are just some of the reasons <laughs> of why people do not seek therapy. If you heard any of those please, please think of the counterparts that I gave to you, all right? And if you know anybody who's also struggling through this question, send them this episode. I'd love for them to be able to get a little bit more perspective on why they should reconsider going to therapy and making their own mental health a priority. So for you, family, um, I hope this helped. And then for your family and friends and other circles around you, I hope that'll help when you share it with them. We are going to stay tuned because much more is to come. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Do I Need Therapy? If you did, please tell a friend and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuned in. If you're always on Instagram like myself, come check out my page. I've got lots of tips and tricks on life and mental wellness. Ask me your questions. Plus, tell me what's on your mind, even if you need to figure out if you need therapy. And for my Facebookers and all my Twitter peeps and my Pinterest pinners, I'm online there too. In fact, I'm everywhere at April and Dell. Meantime, I can't wait to chat with you again on the next episode. So, till then, peace, love, and mental wellness.